G'day, and thank you for tuning in. My name is Matt Grimwood, and this is Anxious Adulting, a podcast where we'll do a deep dive into anxiety and its causes to learn some tips and tricks to help us manage those not-so-nice feelings that we all know too well. Each month I'll bring in a different guest from a different profession who has a different experience with mental health and pick their brains a little bit, just to add to our bank of knowledge of all things anxiety. So, I guess it's time to dive right in. Just a quick disclaimer before we get into it, I would just like to emphasize that I am not a medical professional. I'm a guy who lives with anxiety, and what I suggest or talk about are things that have helped me in the past and still do most days. I understand that anxiety is not a one-size-fits-all sort of thing, so what is discussed on this podcast may or may not work for you. If you're experiencing serious anxiety, depression, or any other serious mental health condition, I encourage you to please get the help you need if you haven't already. There'll be plenty of links to some great services in this episode's description, so check them out if you need to. And remember, it's not weak to speak. Wow, <laughs> this is it. It's, it's really happening. This is episode one. I am really nervous if I'm being honest with you guys. Um, I'm just nervous to see how this goes. I'm nervous to hear what you all think of it. But, you know, I guess that's the point, right? That's why you're all here. That's why I'm here recording this. Um, I think we'd all like to learn how to best deal with those feelings. So welcome, everyone. I'm so glad you're all listening. I just want to start off by thanking all of the amazing people in my life who have gotten me to this point where I feel like I can talk about this topic. So to those people out there and you know who you are, thank you. I'm hoping this series will pass on some helpful tips and I can bring in some guests who can answer some of those questions that you all have on your minds about mental health and about anxiety that maybe you've never asked. And if you have any of these sorts of questions that you want me to ask certain guests or if you have ideas for any people who you think would make really good guests, please let me know and follow along on the Instagram at anxious.adulting. So episode one, um, I want to do this podcast once a month just to give you guys some time to listen and also help me line up some guests and that gives me time to come up with questions and also get the questions off you guys if you want me to ask any just to make it a really interactive experience that we can all enjoy. Yeah, so this episode's going to be a little bit different to the rest of the series and probably a little bit shorter, to be honest. I'm going to talk about what anxiety is and what it can feel like, but it's mostly going to be about me and my own experiences so that you guys can get to know me a bit better and know where I'm coming from in my journey to making this podcast. I feel like 
I want you all to know what makes me tick. And I want you all to know what has driven me to doing this podcast in the first place. I'm going to try and describe what anxiety means to me along with what it feels like when I'm having one of those days where, you know, I feel like everything's falling apart. And I also tell you about some of the things that I do that help get me back up and get me going again instead of just laying down and letting those feelings take over. You know, don't get me wrong, sometimes this is a lot easier said than done. And some days I can definitely feel pretty defeated by my anxiety. But, you know, I take comfort in knowing that tomorrow is another day and I can try again. It also gives me another chance to kick anxiety's butt. So, it's 2021. Wow. (laughs) How was 2020? That was just one of the craziest years that I think I've ever experienced. You know, I think with everything that happened, I think it's definitely safe to say that a lot more people started to experience anxiety and just this general fear of the unknown as, you know, this pandemic called COVID-19 just swept across the entire world. I definitely noticed personally that a lot more people were speaking up about feeling scared and anxious about not knowing what was happening around them. And, you know, there was this fear of their, for their future and nervous for their kids and all this sort of stuff. And that's so normal. It was such a crazy year. I think that's one of the things that inspired me to start this podcast. I really don't think anxiety is spoken about enough. I think a lot of the times we hide these feelings because Maybe we feel a bit weird in ourselves that we feel this way or, you know, we think we're different to everyone around us or, you know, maybe it's because we live in this age of social media where everyone posts the highlights of their life or all the cool stuff they've gotten up to recently and they very, very rarely mention how they're doing mentally. You know, I don't think everyone really understands how many people experience anxiety. And whether you're a person who experiences, you know, just a little bit of social anxiety every now and then, or if you're like a full-blown daily meltdown person, that's fine. Whatever it is, whatever you are, and whatever you're feeling is normal. This world is a crazy place. And not even factoring in, you know, the absolute circus that the last 12 months has been. And just getting through what would be a regular day in the current state of this planet is enough to give even the strongest person some seriously anxious feelings. That's one thing that I really want to try and solidify through this series is you are who you are and you feel what you feel. That's the way you are and that is okay. Now, let's talk about anxiety. What is it? What does it mean? Where does it come from? What does it feel like? How do you stop it? These are all great questions. But the thing is, you could ask 50 different people who have anxiety these same questions, and you'd probably get 50 different answers. 
There are so many different kinds of anxiety that people can experience in their lifetime and that can come from so many different experiences that they've had. Anxiety is categorized as elevated levels of worry and fear that are disproportional to any presenting circumstance. So pretty much you have an excessive fear or worry of something that may or may not have happened or may not ever happen. Even though it is classed as a mental illness, its symptoms aren't just in the mind. Anxiety can be felt physically, emotionally, it can change your behavioral traits, and it can really disrupt your day-to-day living. After a little peruse of the Beyond Blue website, I discovered that anxiety is actually the most common mental health condition in Australia, with around one in four people experiencing anxiety at some point in their lives. That's crazy. That's a lot of us going through very similar feelings, and I don't think enough people talk about it. Anxiety can affect you in heaps of different ways, from like short moments of worry to like full-blown meltdown panic attacks. A common misconception is that anxiety is just in your mind and it just makes you a little bit worried about certain scenarios when in reality it's actually so much more. Mentally, anxiety can give you racing thoughts. It can make it difficult to concentrate on average tasks. It can give you really intrusive thoughts that can occupy your entire mindset. It can have you fixating on like the worst possible outcomes for any sort of scenario or situation you find yourself in. Emotionally, anxiety can give you overwhelming feelings of panic and worry. You can feel constantly unsafe or trapped in some sort of scenario or just have this overall sense of uncertainty with every decision that you have to make. Physical symptoms of anxiety can include nausea, sweating, trembling. It can disrupt you from getting to sleep or it can make you tired all the time. Anxiety can make you hypervigilant, which is kind of like a sensory overload, which just leaves you, you know, constantly scanning the room, listening for sounds or trying to detect smells that you've associated with past encounters. Anxiety can give you stomach aches, it can make you feel restless all the time or extremely agitated, it can give you headaches and muscle aches and body aches and all that sort of stuff. But it can also change your behavioral traits as well. So some people who suffer from anxiety will be withdrawn from social settings and events if they even go to them. They can be really detail-oriented and diagnose themselves as a little bit OCD They tend to overplan everything. Um, They feel this need to keep busy all the time and will also do their best to avoid any sort of situation where they feel a surprise might be waiting for them because they can't possibly deal with not knowing what that surprise could be. And I know that's definitely something that I can relate to on a very personal level. So a little bit about me. So as I said earlier, my name is Matt Grimwood. I'm 28 years old and I live on the central coast of New South Wales in Australia. And if you haven't guessed already, I have anxiety. (laughs) Um, I've had anxiety for as long as I can remember. 
It's a huge part of my life. And it's only been in the last few years that I've accepted that and realized that it's not something that I'm ever going to just get rid of. It's not something that you can just find a cure for and boom, you're all better. That's just that's just not how it works. So now instead of fighting against my anxiety and trying to get rid of it, I'm making it my friend. And I'm working out ways that I can use it to my advantage. My anxiety comes and goes in waves. Sometimes can be heaps harder than others, but it's you know it's pretty well a daily occurrence for me. As to where it all began, I feel like my first real memory of anxiety would be back when I was pretty young. My parents always used to have the news on in the house. I remember seeing the event of 9-11 on the TV in America and I think I was about nine years old and remember thinking to myself, that is just crazy that there are people out there who are just trying to kill other people. That blew my mind. And terrified me. And from that point, I went through a few pretty tough years. I was too afraid to go out and hang out with my friends and go to birthday parties and most of the time go to school. I felt really isolated and I felt really scared because I don't think my parents had quite worked out what was happening to me. And I don't blame them because I didn't know what I was feeling. And, you know, I couldn't verbalize it. I couldn't tell them what I was feeling. So as if they're going to know. You know, I know it caused them a lot of grief having to drag me to school every day. And the days that I was really bad and flat out refused to go, they'd have to take the day off work to, to look after me. So after that initial period of meltdowns, my parents took me to see a counselor who taught me this coping mechanism that, has stayed with me all these years. I don't know if I still use it, but I definitely remember it pretty vividly. So he told me to picture my anxiety as an apple. <laughs> yeah, like like the fruit, an apple. And he said that that apple lives inside of me and it feeds off fear. So if I think about what I'm afraid of, but then try calming myself by saying it was very unlikely that whatever I was afraid of could happen, then the apple would shrink. And shrivel up, which makes me feel better. Whereas if I give in to those thoughts and I let the fear take over, then that apple would get bigger and bigger. And the bigger it got was the longer that it took to shrivel up again, meaning that I would just be afraid for longer. Which, you know, saying this out loud is pretty funny because, you know, I don't know why he used an apple, but I suppose when you're talking to a nine-year-old who is scared of everything all the time, your options for what object you could use for that analogy would be pretty limited. You know, it's not like he could have just said, so Matt, you've got a clown living inside you. Picture that. Because I'd be like, sorry, there's a, there's a clown living inside of me. <laughs> get, it, get him out. And, you know, that, that could probably just spiral me in a whole different direction. So then as I got into my early teens, I went through a few different levels of severity with my anxiety. I got to a point where I started going back to my friends' houses again and I got into a pretty good rhythm of going to school and even occasionally started going to birthday parties. I noticed through that whole time that if I'm doing something that I've never done before, like visiting a new place or meeting new people or going somewhere that I've never been, 
it's all I seem to think about and it kind of consumes my entire mindset in the days and sometimes weeks leading up to that event. That's something that still hasn't changed with me and that's something that I still deal with regularly. Throughout my early 20s, I had a bit of an interesting relationship with my anxiety and myself really. I was still getting really nervous before every sort of social outing or occasion. During this time, I wasn't very kind to myself. I believed that, you know, I was in my 20s now and I should have grown out of this by then. And my attitude was, you know, that I should just man up and stop being weak. And, you know, why are you so scared of doing tasks that everyone else around you can just do so easily? You know, I thought I was the only person around me or in my group of friends who felt like this and you know that made me feel really weird and rather than dealing with these emotions and dealing with this sort of stuff I decided it'd be way better for me to just shove it all down and not think about it and you know maybe it would just go away if I didn't think about it it would just go away so I did a fair bit of drinking and drug taking and partying to try and like squash these feelings which would make me feel all right in that moment and I wouldn't really think about it for the weekend while I was partying but what I didn't realize was that it was making the following week you know nearly unbearable at the time I was working a job that I wasn't passionate about and I felt really stuck and really stale I felt like I was at this point in my life where everything I was doing on paper looked good and that I was you know following that path that I was supposed to be taking that you know, you hear from people around you and all that sort of stuff. I had a secure job. I bought a house and I was starting to settle into that life, but it just wasn't making me happy. My anxiety attacks were becoming more frequent, which led to more partying to try and counteract it, which led to worse weeks, which led to bigger parties the next weekend. And it was just this vicious cycle that kept going. It wasn't really until I quit that job that was making my life harder And listen to the advice of one of my really great friends who'd actually noticed what was going on with me that actually took a step back and realized what I was doing to myself. I mellowed right out with my party lifestyle and started doing things that made me happy and made me feel good. You know, don't get me wrong, I still party every now and then, but these days I'm doing it for the right reason. I'm doing it because I enjoy spending time with my friends and the people around me. I'm not trying to hide anything anymore. So since that point... I've been trying to pursue my dream job of being a filmmaker. I've been working odd jobs here and there to pay the bills. I went back to university and I've actually just finished my bachelor's degree in film production at the end of last year. So I'm planning on this year having a pretty big year chasing that and just being more creative and expressing myself through visual media. I still have my ups and downs you know, there are far more ups these days and it feels great. And that's mainly due to the amazing support network that I have around me that I know I can turn to when things get tough. Just a quick side note. Someone close to me who's been helping me a lot on my journey pointed out to me that I would find it really hard to keep growing unless I forgave the younger version of myself who 
I thought was doing everything wrong. And like I said earlier, I wasn't very kind to that person. You know, I thought I was a wuss for feeling the way that I did and I thought that I was doing everything wrong. And I've only just realized that, you know, I didn't really understand what was happening to me. And, you know, I was doing the best I possibly could with the knowledge that I had at the time. And if I didn't go through all of that stuff back then, I wouldn't be where I am today. So, and I think that's something really important that I have to constantly keep reminding myself that, you know, whatever you've gone through up until this point in your journey, it's part of what makes you, you. So embrace that and, you know, try not to be so hard on yourself like I was. So let's talk about my anxiety and what it means to me and how it feels to me. So anxiety attacks can happen to me in heaps of different ways. Some are way more intense than others. But the best way I can describe, you know, the most common type of anxiety that I experience is something I call white screen anxiety. So you've probably never heard of white screen anxieties because it's just something that I made up. I came up with it a while ago when I was trying to articulate to a friend of mine who didn't really get my anxiety and I was trying to explain to him what it feels like to be consumed by your thoughts. So if you imagine your brain as a big, open, empty black screen and if there's nothing on the screen and the screen's completely blank, then you feel calm, you feel present in the moment and you don't really have anything important on your mind. So say you start thinking about your family or like a problem that you have at the moment that's going on with your family and then the word family in big white text appears on your screen. So then while you're thinking about your family problem, you start thinking about your current financial situation, whether it be good or bad, and now the word money in white text has been added to your screen. Then you remember a conversation you had with someone, let's take COVID-19 for example, about something about COVID-19 and then boom, that word appears in big white text on your screen. Soon after that, all of these other thoughts start flooding in, you know, like work and relationships and rego and cars and all that sort of stuff. And the screen starts filling up. And as the screen is filling up with words that represent these conversations, they're all starting to overlap in your head. So it gets to a point where you have so many different thoughts running through your head at the same time and that screen is so crammed with words that it's gone completely white. So at that point, that triggers an anxiety attack for me because it's like having 20 different news stations all reading the headlines at the same time, trying to out-voice each other and all, but you can't actually understand what either of them are saying or any of them are saying. So at that point, once you've got a fully white screen, it does take some time to clear it. So you have to sit down and try and relax and breathe and slowly, one by one, the thoughts start leaving your head and the words that represent them disappear from the screen and you get to a point where the screen is back to being blank, which means you feel calm again. I've worked out that to talk about my anxiety, I feel like it's easier to talk about something that I know I'm frightened of. And I know that thing triggers my anxiety and then I can kind of just explain how I feel in that moment. So I have a serious 
fear of flying. And anyone who's experienced a flight with me knows that I'm pretty much useless from the morning of my flight until I reach my destination. So when I when I get on a plane, I just shut off. My, I have to put some music on and I try and focus on my breathing. I don't really know whether it's like the whole actual flying part or it's a, a fear of the plane crashing or if it's just being in a big metal box in the sky crammed in there with a couple hundred people. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, it sucks. I'm definitely not a fan of it. I feel like when I get on a plane, everyone is looking at me. Obviously, it's not true, but this is anxiety. So I feel like everyone's looking at me. And then everyone looking at me makes me feel like I need to vomit, which then makes me anxious about what everyone's going to think of me if I were to vomit. And then that just sends me into this bit of a panic cycle where I'm thinking about them, thinking about me, who's thinking, oh, it's just this whole thing. And that doesn't stop until I get off the plane. I think the worst part is that 15-minute period where you get on the plane and you sit down in your seat and the seatbelt light is on and you're not allowed to leave your seat. That's the moment where I go, oh, no, I need to stand up. I really want to stand up and I really want to go to the toilet. But then I think if I do that, someone's going to stare at me and go, what's that bloke getting up for? Doesn't he know the seatbelt sign's on? You can't get up when the seatbelt sign's on. And that's just this whole adds to the panic. (laughs) funny little side story actually so a few years ago I spent a little bit of time with one of my best friends in Indonesia and it was the day we were flying home on the red eye and she got really ill it I don't know it must have been something that we ate that day but she was like chucking her guts up the whole day so we get on the plane and I'm in like full anxiety meltdown mat mode And I'm trying to get my mind off the flight and calm myself down. And she is just violently ill next to me. And I I wanted so badly to help her. I really wanted to just even just like pat her on the back and say, it's all good. We're going to be home soon. But I couldn't. I just, I thought if I broke my concentration, then I'm going to vomit as well. So I just had to put my music on and, you know, lay my head on the wall and go to sleep. So I wake up six hours later and she's had one of the worst flights ever. She's got the stewardess sitting next to her, giving her towels and giving her bottles of water and taking her vomit bags and all this sort of stuff. And I have just proven myself as the worst possible travel companion you can ever have. So yeah, take note out there. If anyone needs help from me and I'm on a plane, I'm sorry, but it's it's probably not going to happen. Like I can't even sit in the exit rows, you know, the exit rows with the seats that have got all the extra leg room because the stewardess comes over and goes, oh, good afternoon and welcome to the flight. Just checking, are you willing and able to help in the unlikely event of an emergency? And my brain goes, no. But my mouth goes, yeah, no worries. And I think to myself, what did you say that for, Matt? What? You're not willing to help? Are you kidding? You should not be sitting in this seat. Turn around. See that guy back there? He'd, he'd, he'd be way better in an emergency. You should swap seats with him. And it's just this whole, that whole thing. I feel so guilty about it because I know that if there was an actual emergency, I have no idea how I'd react. Hopefully I never have to experience that. But yeah, that's part of my fear of flying as well. You know, I still have pretty frequent episodes of anxiety 
without even bringing flying into it. But these days I've learned a few different methods that can help me calm myself down in a shortish um, sort of time frame. I say shortish because depending on the severity of that anxiety attack is how long it's going to take me to sort of level it out and feel good again. And, you know, I didn't learn all this stuff by myself. And that's something that I really want to try and emphasize to all of you guys and, you know, remind myself as well is that we can't be expected to know everything. You can't be expected to just go through your entire life and have a solution to every single problem that you're faced with. It's just not logical. You know, it wasn't until I spoke up to my friends and brought in some really amazing people into my life that I actually started getting on top of my anxiety and I started filling my little bag with all these different tips and tricks that I use each day. So a little bit more about me. So my everyday anxiety shows itself as... You know, it's an onset of quiet panic at the start. My mind starts racing with around a thousand different thoughts that get to a point where I can't even comprehend what each thought is saying because they're all packed in so tightly and trying to voice themselves at the same time, like I was explaining with my white screen anxiety um, description. I get really sweaty. My breathing gets really shallow and my cheeks get really rosy red. So any of you out there who know me, know that I have really rosy cheeks most of the time. <laughs> and that's because most of the time I'm pretty anxious, but that's okay. Um, I get really fidgety and I start scanning the room around me for an, a bit of an escape route. So I can use that escape route if things get to boiling point. You know, I use that if I go to the movies, I sit in the aisle seat. If I get on a plane, I always sit in the aisle seat. But, you know, I don't think you can really escape a plane when it's 35,000 feet in the air. Maybe that's why, I, maybe that's probably why I don't like flying as well. Just another thing to add to that, this realization. So, to deal with these feelings, I have a bunch of different methods that I try because I've found that different kinds of anxiety attacks require different remedies. And even then, sometimes my like go to's don't work. So, I have to try and find something new on the spot. So that's something that I hope to personally get out of this series is when I bring in all these different people from these different fields, I can get their recommendations of what they do in those moments or what they tell those their clients to do in those moments. And, you know, that way I can try them out when I have my own little anxiety attacks and everyone listening, you guys can all try them out as well and let me know what you liked and what didn't really work and we can just keep adding to that little bag. One of the things that I use daily is essential oils. So so my beautiful mum, Stephanie, actually got me onto this. She is one of those, I've got an oil for everything, ladies. And she actually does. So there's this company called doTERRA Oils. And they make a blend called Balance. And it does exactly that. If I'm going into a situation where I know I'm going to feel anxious you can bet that I'll have one of those little oil rollers in my pocket and I use it pretty much every 10 minutes. I've got them kind of like peppered all over my house so whenever I'm leaving, I can just grab one, stick it in my pocket. 
it really helps me ground out a little bit and it calms my nerves. And, you know, this is not a sponsored post or anything. This particular product just works for me. And, you know, people close to me use it as well and they agree. So that's just that. Other than my oils, breathing seems to be one of the most effective tools that I use pretty consistently. If I'm in any sort of setting where I feel anxious, I can get up and I kind of take myself away to a quiet little spot, like a spot outside or just a bathroom or somewhere I can be alone. And I just spend a couple of minutes focusing on my breathing. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of different breathing exercises that you can do, but I find that if I just kind of slow myself down and focus and listen to my breathing and I breathe in for three seconds and then out for three seconds until I start feeling better, that actually really helps me. Um, I'd love to get like a breathwork specialist on the show to just talk about maybe a bit of the science behind breathing or some different exercises that we can all use. Um, So if anyone out there knows someone who is a bit of an expert in that field, please let me know and I will reach out to them and see if I can get them on. But yeah, so anxiety comes in all shapes and sizes. And for anyone out there feeling anxious or experiencing anxiety, I just want you to know that it is so normal to feel the way you do. You're not weird for being an anxious person. You're not alone in having those moments where you think your whole world's falling apart. You know, it's so normal to be anxious about starting a new job or going on that first date or whatever it is, going to the shops, whatever you're feeling anxious about, that's normal. You know, when I was younger, I thought I was the only person who felt like this. And, you know, it made me feel really alone and really weird. And I didn't think that anyone understood what I was feeling because I had such a hard time verbalizing it, even to the people around me. You know, these are the people that I felt super comfortable with and I felt like I couldn't tell them anything. So, you know, there was no way I was able to tell a doctor or anything like that. Recently, I get asked a little bit about if I have any advice for someone who has maybe just started experiencing anxiety or, you know, their anxiety is getting worse or stuff like that. And I normally tell them these two little things. And, you know, just a reminder, I'm not a medical professional, but number one is whenever you're having an anxiety attack or a freak out or a panic about something, remember that it will pass. I like to say that anxiety attacks are like a storm and no storm lasts forever. Yeah, definitely, it could be really scary out there and really crazy with strong winds and lightning and thunder and hail and torrential rain and all that sort of stuff, but it will eventually pass and the sun will come out again. Same goes for you. Yeah, it can be really scary in having one of those moments, but you just have to try and remember that it won't be around for long and pretty soon you'll be feeling good again. And number two... I feel like this should be number one, but whatever. They're both as equally important as each other. Don't Google your symptoms. Trust me on this one. I used to be such a shocker for it. You don't want to have a headache and think to yourself, you know what, I'll just quickly Google it and find out what's going on. You know, not taking into account that you haven't had a glass of water for like the last 18 hours. But then you Google it and you realize, oh my God, you're dying in some kind of way. That sends you into a full downward spiral, freak out, and you start counting what you think could be the last moments on earth. I remember actually, <laughs> I was out surfing this one time 
and it was on that same trip in Indonesia with that same best friend and it had been raining a lot and the rivers had flooded and the water was really black out in the in the ocean and I was out there by myself and I saw one of those blue and white banded sea snakes swim past me and it scared the absolute pants off me so I paddled away and I caught a wave and I went back to the villa that I was staying at and so while I'm sitting there I'm thinking to myself what kind of snake was that? And you know, what was it doing in the water? So I thought, I'm just going to Google it and find out what it was. So I Google it to find out that apparently it's one of the most venomous snakes in the world. And just a few drops of its poison can kill you. So at this stage, I can feel the anxiety setting in. But I'm thinking, you know, it's all good. It didn't bite me. It didn't get near me, all that sort of stuff. And then I read the line, because of the snake's small build, most people don't know they've been bitten until it's too late. Oh. Oh. So, you can imagine what my reaction is to this. I'm having a full-blown freakout by this stage. My Googling rampage continued, and I start looking up all the different symptoms for this snake bite, which were sweating. So instantly, I noticed that I've been sweating through my shirt, you know, not taking into account that I'm in Indonesia with... A 98% humidity and 37 degree weather. And then I read that oh, it's dry mouth is another one. And just oh, boom, like clockwork. Oh, I, my mouth and throat just go completely dry. And then I read that you get numbness in your legs and arms. So by this point, I am laying on my back on the bed, reflecting on my life and what I think is my final moments on this earth. And I think to myself, oh, my God, I need to FaceTime my mom and tell my mom that I'm dying because, you know, she's going to want to know this stuff. So I ring my mom and as I'm sitting there, the first thing she says to me is, have I checked myself for any bites? I said, mom, it doesn't matter. I said, most people don't know they've been bitten until it's too late and it only takes 25 minutes for someone to die. And she goes, okay, well, how long ago was it that you're in the water? I said, well, it was about 20 minutes ago. And she goes, what were the waves like? Did you have fun? And we spoke about a few different things for maybe the next like 20 minutes or something. And she said, hey, Matt, do you realize it's been about 45 minutes since you got out of the water? I said, oh, wow. And I could feel just this sense of relief wash over my body. And by this time, I can now hear my dad and my two sisters giggling in the background. And, you know, I realized that all my symptoms had gone away and I'd survived this threshold that Google had told me that I wouldn't. So, yeah, my family and I love telling that story still to this day. So, yeah, moral of the story is don't Google your symptoms. It never helps, ever. If you're genuinely concerned about being ill or you think that there's something wrong with you, go see a doctor. There's a reason that they study for so long and there's a reason that it's so hard to become one. Okay, well, I feel like I've given you guys a little bit of an insight into me and, you know, what makes me tick and you know, a bit about my anxiety and stuff. I just wanted to add in real quickly that if you notice any of those symptoms that I spoke about earlier in any of your friends or your loved ones or your workmates, just touch base with them. 
and ask how they're going. You know, you don't need to try and fix their problems, but sometimes it just feels nice to be heard. And they might not want to tell you anything or they might not want to open up in that moment, but, you know, I know from personal experience that it's an awesome feeling just to know that there is someone for you to talk to if they need it. And they'll appreciate you showing the care of asking them. And if you're one of those people who isn't speaking up about your anxiety and you kind of keep it all to yourself and you feel like you're not ready to take that leap to talk to someone, that is so fine. We are all in different points of our journey and you know whatever's happening to you is what's happening to you. You know I can guarantee that if you talk to someone, it makes you feel so much better. Even if it's just someone close to you that you trust. I guarantee if you tell someone that you know that you need to talk to them because you're not feeling great, that they'll listen. And it's not weak to speak. I'm, I'm going to keep drumming that in every single episode. So, you know, get it into your heads. It is not weak to speak. On the next episode, I'll be bringing in someone who has personally helped me so much with my journey through this anxious world. Her name is Christina Ambler, but everyone calls her Cricket. Cricket is a wellness coach and a life counsellor who lives on the Central Coast. She is an absolute powerhouse when it comes to mindset and shifting your perspective on what's bothering you and you know helps you to turn that into something that can assist you. And this podcast is a prime example of that. I'm going to bring her in to talk about her experiences with anxiety and mental health, get a bit about her life story, and we're going to discuss how we can try and shift our mindset to help deal with those meltdown moments, along with getting some tips and tricks out of her bag of knowledge to add to ours. I'm really looking forward to it. And like I said earlier, if any of you out there have any questions that you want me to ask her or anything like that, message me on Instagram and I can include it for you. So that's it. (laughs) That's it for the first episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. It means a lot to me. Um, I'm so excited to see where this takes us and so excited to have this little family of ours grow. So until next time, I'm Matt Grimwood and this is Anxious Adulting. Bye. Boom, 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 boom.